Hey there, Freedom Fighters. Um, you know, as an entrepreneur, I always wondered if entrepreneurship fails for me, what do I do? I don't have any other skills. All I've been is an entrepreneur my whole life. And today, right now, I just realized I have another skill. I can basically turn any piece of garbage office into a recording studio. <laughs> I don't know that I did this especially well, but I rode over to a different kind of WeWork here in Austin. And I'm turning this very echoey conference room. I hope the echo is not coming into the audience too much. I'm turning this echoey conference room into a podcast studio. I hooked up my mic. I clamped it down in order to get the computer raised up. I took some WeWork cups and I've got it underneath here. Um, in all seriousness, though, I did it all because I've been fascinated. And so is my producer, Ari. She, she's telling me that today's guest is amazing. I'm hearing his story and I'm amazed by it. And here's why. Over the years, a lot of entrepreneurs that I've talked to have struggled with getting customer service to be real time, especially as we go to chat. And a few of them have decided that what they're going to do is create an outsourced service that will do chat, chat-based customer support for other businesses because they figured, look, if it's a pain for me, it's probably a pain for other people. I'll create this as a service. I'll help those other businesses and I'll make some money. And I have not seen a single one of them succeed. And then we found out about Jose Herrera. He is the founder of Horatio. They do the same thing that I've seen other entrepreneurs do. They did not make it work. For some reason, Jose has been able to make it work. And what, uh, what I wanted to find out here is why? How was he able to make this thing that others needed but couldn't do well work? And so I invited him here to talk about Horatio and how they do next gen. I don't know why they call it next generation customer support outsourcing firm, but basically for businesses that want to have real-time chat, real-time support on all these different platforms that people are expecting customer support on, including phone calls, but apparently not, uh, not majority of it phone calls, it's mostly text-based. Uh, those businesses hire Horatio. I invited him here to find out how he did it, and we could do it thanks to uh, my sponsor, HostGator. And I'll tell you later on why you should go to hostgator.com slash Mixergy. But for now, I'm going to stop whispering. <laughs> and I'm only whispering because of the echo and say hello to Jose. Good to have you here, man. Hey, Andrew. It's great to be here today. Thank you for inviting me. What's your revenue? We typically don't like to disclose revenue. What I would like to tell you is that, you know, this year we've grown 5x. So our business has grown exponentially. Um, in December of 2020, we were a team of 180. And fast forward to today, um, October 28th, 2021, we are a team of over 700. So we've grown dramatically since since uh, the beginning of the year. All bootstrapped. Can you tell me, are you over 10 million in revenue? Uh, yes. Okay, great. I'll take that. This is freaking phenomenal for a team of people who no outside funding, right? No outside funding, no. You used to do the customer support yourselves. You didn't even have employees in the beginning. Yeah, it was it was a great time when the three of us um, started the business. We were we were the first agents uh, answering customer support inquiries on behalf of our clients. Good lord, what hours were you working? Were you in the middle of the night doing this, answering somebody's customer support email? We were um, we were doing this all day, basically. I mean, the three of us met in in business school. We were at Columbia. Uh, during our MBA, and the three of us come from an investment uh, management, investment banking background, and um, we started doing this while we were still in school. So we were doing both uh, our MBA and um, answering customer support inquiries on behalf of our clients. 
Wow. Do you remember one of the biggest pain in the butt customer support issues that you had to deal with on top of the fatigue from school and from starting a new business? Hmm. Yes, I think that particularly our, our initial uh, bread and butter was e-commerce and we had to deal with a lot of um, issues surrounding shipping delays and, and, and lost packages and, and having a lot of uh, angry customers reach out to us asking for a refund, even though they already received their package and being unreasonable. Nah. So imagine that um, nowadays with, with the COVID pandemic, it's, it's, been, uh, it's been crazy in terms of the amount of uh, similar issues uh -huh. that now we see nowadays. So from what I understand, it was you, Jared, and Alex who connected first and then came up with the idea. I've read all kinds of things about how the two or the three of you bonded. What is it about the three of you that made you say, we like each other enough that we're going to figure out what to do and basically spend a big chunk of our lives married? Yes, I think a lot of people, when they see three founders, they, they always say, oh, three founders is very difficult. It's never going to work. I think that the, the main thing that made make us a strong team is number one, we share the same common values and, and principles. Um, so we were friends before we decided to start this business together. And number two, we have very complementary skill sets. So everyone in the team has a different uh, set of responsibilities that don't cross each other. And I think that's but part you, of the reason why we're being Let's successful. pause. We'll come back to the responsibilities. But what do you mean by values? As guys who are just getting their MBA in school, how do you even know what, you, what your values are? The values usually are when you're in school, build a great company or not settle for a, a job you hate. But beyond that, what do you have in common? Yes, I think that one of the first classes at Columbia is about discovering your values. And I think that's when you find out um, what, what you really care about. Um, and I think we, we all care about uh, the, same, the same set of things. We also share a lot of similar uh, characteristics when it comes to doing the right thing on behalf of our clients. And also, um, we also share the, the same mission that, that is, in addition to creating a, an amazing uh, company, is also to create meaningful job opportunities and improve the working conditions uh, of the Dominican Republic, which is where our main operation is based um, in the, and which is where I grew up. What was it like growing up in the Dominican Republic? It was amazing. I had a, I had a great childhood. Um, it's, a, it's a very interesting place. Um, and, uh, you know, part of the reason why I decided to, to you know, start the business and the operations there is because I, I remember that the talent um, is amazing and it's top notch, and and uh, that's exactly why we decided to to start the company there. What was what was amazing about it, and what was challenging about it? What's challenging about it is is the typical challenges that you you see with with any country in Latin America. Um, you know, political instability. And also um, economic disparities, um, lack of diversity. Um, but I think that you know what makes it a very unique uh, country and a unique place is the the culture. Um, the people are very warm. Uh, we are very service oriented. And um, despite all the uncertainties of, of growing up in, in, in an island like the Dominican Republic, everyone is super happy. Everyone um, always puts a smile on their face no matter what. So we are known for celebrating life no matter the, the harsh conditions that, that we face. I love Latin America. When you're talking about political instability, I wonder what did I experience there that made me feel it in any way? And it is 
protests out of nowhere for things that really matter by people whose lives are, are deeply impacted by it. So out of nowhere, there could be just this furious protest justified coming out. What else would I experience? Suddenly, uh, just heavy police or, or military presence. What did you experience? Yeah, I mean, luckily we didn't experience any of that in the DR. Um, it was more the economic disparities um, in terms of like the, the the rich and poor and finding very cool, meaningful job opportunities. Um, so that's like most of the things that um, the Dominican youth aspire to is having very cool opportunities to grow and use their skill sets. Um, the education level is very high. It's just that most of the, the work that, that that is available to you is in traditional industries like financial services or or being you know a, a, a lawyer or a doctor like there there was no there's no startup scene there um, uh, and so I guess those were some of the things that 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 Dominican youth typically experience there yeah um, but so as you a, just as see a, the hunger to do something without the opportunity to use that hunger to channel that energy exactly yeah I'm thinking about what you told our producer about how as a kid you would sell anything you sold drawings yeah. Yeah, I was always very entrepreneurial. Uh, I, I've, I've been working since I've been 10 years old and, and I always like to to work and, and do things. So I always like what? Give me more examples. Busy. Selling drawings in school is a good one. What else? Um, worked at I worked at a hardware store um, when I was when I was growing up. I, I wanted to learn about all the different tools and everything. So I, I was always looking for uh, the next uh, the next thing that I could do or learn. So uh, I was always very curious about it. And then, you know, I, I, I got the opportunity to work at, a, at the largest bank um, in the country when I was um, uh, 15 um, um, in an internship. And it was a, a really cool experience that, that led me to uh, pursue my path in financial services when I moved to the U.S. What did you do at the bank and which bank was it? It was a, it's the largest bank in the Dominican Republic. It's called uh, Popular Bank. And okay. I was in their credit card uh, department, which is... Which Wait, back is then Banco was Popular? A, Banco Popular, yes. Oh, okay, I didn't realize it was called Popular Bank, like that used the English version. Sorry, and what was what was it that you were doing there? I was um, in their credit card uh, processing department. Okay, and I heard that the other thing that happened was you also got a job at Western Union, doing yes. customer support for them. Was this before Banco Popular? This was after. So After. Western Union was the first BPO or business process outsourcing company that decided to um, start uh, recruiting talent in the Dominican Republic. And I was one of the first batches of, of, of employees that started there. And it was a very uh, interesting culture and a very interesting training that I received from them. And um, that's you know part of the idea, um, part of the reason why we decided to, to start uh, the, the business in the DR is because of, I remember that the talent of my peers was incredible, and um, as the business and as the business process outsourcing industry evolved in the DR, most of the jobs are geared towards telcos and financial services, and there was nothing exciting or cool about it um, in terms of growing and 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 setting up a career path um, in those sectors. No offense, but you go from working at one of the top banks to then answering phones, what happened? Why didn't you continue in finance? I was very young. I was, in, I was, I was an intern when I was at that bank. Um, 
And the, to be to be quite frank, the reason why is because working at Western Union is one of the highest paying jobs there because you have to have perfect English. And so they reward um, the talent way more than a traditional bank. Got it. That's insane. Yeah. So local locally, uh, just because just by just by speaking English, you're already pay, you're getting paid more uh, for your English skill sets than your knowledge of financial services in, in the Dominican Republic. Wow. Okay. So then, what did you learn there that helped you set up Horatio? I would say that I learned more in my training. In the U.S., when I was working in, in, in the financial services industry in the U.S., I, I, I worked at Goldman Sachs and I also worked at Morgan Stanley. That set up the foundation for what we are today here at, at, at Horatio. Um, the, the idea of, of Horatio stemmed from the fact that there was a lot of good talent in, in, in Western Union, but that, that was not, you know, I, I wouldn't say I'd necessarily learned much in terms of uh, setting up or, or creating Horatio. Okay. All right. So you, Jared and Alex got together, you liked each other, you had the same values. Where did the idea come from? How did you realize this, this was a need? Yeah. So in doing research about what we wanted to do together, we noticed that, you know, both startups and fast growing enterprises consistently struggled to meet customer demands. And in our research, we noticed that a lot of uh, e-commerce brands were relying on chatbots and that were very impersonal and also relying on temporary workers that would help them answering tickets or answering customer inquiries, but they were not dedicated to the brand and they had no affinity to the brand. And so our vision was born when we realized that providing firsthand and personalized omnichannel customer support is what really differentiates a brand. And so we started working with a couple of different brands that decided to, to give us a try. And that's how the idea started uh, of, of creating Horatio. What are the first brands that trusted you to do this? The first brand that trusted us to do this was Clean Cold. It's a non-toxic cleaning company. Okay. That how is big now, are they? Are we talk? Uh-huh. They just raised their Series B. I think they just raised a 25 million round. And um, okay. they sell everything from, you know, um, non-toxic hand soap, uh, liquid uh, detergent, sprays. So it's, um, and they're, 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 they've grown a lot uh, recently uh, as well since, since we started working. I with bet. Them. I'm guessing that the founder was a friend of one of yours? We were introduced to the founder through a mutual acquaintance, yes. Okay. And so you said, we'll take this on. What software do they use? I know this is kind of getting in the weeds, but what, what were they using for chat? At the time, they were using Freshdesk, um, but we uh -huh. migrated to a software called Customer with a K, which is one of the fastest. I know Customer with a K. Yeah. Okay, so you were just sitting. I'm guessing a lot of it was on your phone. Much of most of it was probably on a laptop. Where anytime a customer would come in and start chatting, one of you partners would jump in and respond. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but okay. but in, in order for in order for us to do that, because we were so process driven, we created what we call the customer experience playbook, which is a very detailed guide of everything we need to know about the brand, the values, the mission, the vision, the tone of okay. voice. And as ah. we started getting different customer inquiries, we would document all of those customer questions in the playbook, updating that in the software of customer so that the next time we got a question that was similar, we already had a macro built in and we already had a way of, of streamlining things. 
Got it. So right from the beginning, you were thinking, we are going to systemize this, even if it's more of a pain to systemize today, the payoff will happen soon. And then forever, we're going to have a process for creating processes for our customers. Exactly. Wow. Um, one of the problems that we have internally at, at my company with the macros is there's just so many of them that you don't remember to use it and you just start to type away a quick response instead of saying, what was that macro? What was that thing that we said in the past? How do we even access it? You ever deal with issues like that? Yes. Um, number one, we prioritize being as personal as possible. We don't want to sound like it's a macro. So we always um, train the agents yeah. to understand when they have to be a little bit more personal and go the, the extra mile. Um, what we do is we document the macros in the playbook as well so that you can quickly search for the macros and you know remember quickly and then go into the software and actually find it so that you don't miss that out. That seems like such a pain right in the button. butt. You're saying they have to go into the playbook, which is some kind of documentation. Then they find the macro. Then they come back into the chat. Yeah, it takes one second to Ctrl-Alt-F, find the word that you were looking for and confirm that and make sure that it's okay. And then you can just like plug it in into the software, find it in mm -hmm. the software. I, just, I wish that the software that that does customer support was better at suggesting macros, at bringing them up, at helping you find the right thing to say. So far, the ones that I've tried just aren't strong enough that way. What have you found? Yeah, there's some um, AI tagging softwares that we use, um, like Lang AI or Loris, um, that really help you streamline things and find things easily as well. Uh, but overall, I think that you have to be very careful with, with, with the way that you use macros and just make sure that you are actually uh, using the right one because you don't want to uh, have any issues. And the, the problem with macros is that typically the customer is going to ask you multiple questions that cannot be answered with just one single macro, right? So it's going to be like, hey, I lost my package. And by the way, I want to change this flavor from vanilla to chocolate. Oh, and by the way, I changed my address for the next subscription, right? So you, there's no macro for three questions, right? So you have to make sure that you're really reading the message um, and really uh, leveraging uh, the playbook in our experience to make sure that you have all the right answers. And that they're so trained in the software that they can almost figure it out themselves. Exactly. So we also do um, a deep training on the software before we even start training on the brand that we work for. Okay. All right. And so you were doing this yourself for how long? Um, we've been doing this. I mean, when you were doing it, when you're doing customer support, you and your two co-founders yourselves, was that a month long process? A couple months, a couple months. And then we started months. to, and then we started to, to hire the team. Okay. Dominican Republic first. Yes. We're all in the Dominican Republic. Everyone sits in our office. What? Yeah. So why is that? Why did you want to keep people in the office even after COVID? For us, it's very important to build a very inclusive culture. And we do not believe that you can build an amazing culture remotely. It's very hard, particularly when you're trying to provide customer support on behalf of very fast growing companies. Um, mm -hmm. And so we decided to build a company culture that is focused number one on the employee experience. And the mm -hmm. employee experience is is all about being in the office, sharing uh, and spending time with your colleagues. We also provide uh, amazing benefits for all of our employees, like 
private catered meals every day, full health insurance, a lot of bonding activities that just have to happen in the office. We do provide the flexibility for the top performers to work from home occasionally, but I think that the sharing of ideas, uh, particularly when you're working with fast-growing startups that are changing every day, happens best um, in a in a in a in an in-office environment. All right. And so I'm guessing that you didn't have to pay that as much for people in the Dominican Republic as you would, say, in the U.S. You also cut back on expenses by picking up small office space. Am I right? Exactly. Yes. For, for, for yeah. our clients, they're, they're saving on a couple of things. Number one, it's, it's, it's obviously cheaper than ha- having an in-house team in the U.S., um, number mm-hmm. two, you don't have to spend on real estate and all the associated benefits of having a person that works directly for you. So payroll taxes and uh, health benefits and all that stuff that is all handled by us. Um, and also in an industry where the turnover is extremely high, you don't have to spend money on hiring and retraining uh, team members as right. they start uh, turn- yeah. churning from your team. So all this seems to make so much sense. Why did you have a hard time convincing your co-founders to leave their jobs and join and do this? At the level that we were at, at the companies that we worked at, um, it was a very hard decision uh, to take the leap or take a leap of faith um, to start the business. But I think that, you know, we all had the conviction to that to do it. And we all we all thought that this was going to be a, a, a good idea. And so we were relatively young and said, if we don't try it now, when are we going to try it? And so that's why we decided to to jump at it. But I think that it did. Was there hesitation that it that it seemed too small? I mean, these were these were people who'd gone through investment banking experience. They were they uh, they just got in their MPAs, and now you're saying let's just do a customer support company. Yeah, did I think that I think it that too small. I think that for, particularly, especially when you're like talking to your family and friends and you tell them, Hey, I'm leaving my job at, at a bank to, to start a customer support outsourcing company. You know, people are like, what are you thinking? Um, I think that you have to have high conviction and and a vision that as a team, you can accomplish that. And I think that there's a, there's a consulting element to our business that we discovered after we started the business where all of our clients rely on us for how to build things, not only on a customer support side, but also operationally and strategically. And I think that, um, the value that we bring to the table has allowed us to to grow exponentially. And like more, most of our clients come through referrals nowadays. Before you discovered that, what was it that you said to your co-founders that made them see that they should join in? What was that vision that you communicated? I did a lot of research on the industry. Um, I realized that it's a very fragmented industry. And I also realized that e-commerce was going to be a big component of of the industry in terms of outsourcing and there was no market leader in the space um, like i said most companies in the bpo space are geared towards telecommunications financial services um, traditional healthcare. Uh, these companies typically don't really add a lot of value they are just um, they just take whatever training guides they get from their their respective companies and, and go and hire people um, whereas e-commerce you really need to have subject matter expertise in learning all these different softwares, learning how to use Shopify, learning the different nuances of the different businesses. And I think that my my thesis was if we become really uh, true experts in this industry, we'll be able to 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 add a lot of value and and take a market share um, in, in, in this space. Obviously, we did not expect COVID to happen. And I would be lying if I said that COVID didn't accelerate uh, our our growth. Obviously, 
everyone went to shop online and all of the companies that we service grew organically in that and are now growing exponentially. All right. There were a couple of problems, especially in defining what you were going to deliver to your customers. We'll get to that in a moment. First, let me tell everyone I'm sponsored by HostGator. In fact, HostGator is a great place to host a WordPress site and Horatio is built on WordPress, which I love the simplicity of it. It's just a, a beautiful looking WordPress site, easy for people to understand what you're about and to sign up for your services. Let me ask you this, Jose, if someone's listening to us and says, I like what, what Horatio is doing, I want to be able to do something similar. Do you have a recommendation for a service-based business like the one that you got into that still needs a Horatio treatment? Is there another service business that somebody can say, I'm going to create a team of people who do it? Yeah, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, opportunities, particularly when it comes to like software development and outsource CFO work. I mean, those those are real. Uh, niches that I think are very valuable. What I would stress people that are interested in doing services is to really become a true expert in what they want to do and not try to offer all of them at the same time, right? I think that um, you have to like really differentiate yourself as the go-to outsource CFO for e-commerce companies, for example. So I think that that's what I would recommend uh, potential entrepreneurs that are thinking about starting a service company and also make sure that you're, you're treating your employees with the, with the respect that they deserve. Right. Cause they're your number one asset. I feel like I've seen the outsource CFO thing. It's, it's a small market unless I'm missing it, but I think you're right. That saying, what is it in a business that can be outsourced? Let's just see if we can create a service for that. I've seen outsource CMO work. Yep. Um, the founder of Close.io, Steli FD, tried outsource sales. We'll talk about what happened when you were doing some of that. Outsource uh, SDR. That is tough. Sales development rep. That's a tough one, but that's, that's actually one that's worked really well because you're just firing off a bunch of email. As soon as you get a response from a customer, you pass that on to a salesperson and let the salesperson close them, right? So outsource SDRs, I've seen those businesses do well. I've interviewed a few people who've been in that space. Why are you hesitant about it? It seems like you're you're not seeing the big opportunity with that. For us, it's all about the employee experience first. And the outsourced SDR work is very difficult for the employees. Um, so keeping employees motivated in that particular job is tough and, and proved to be tough for us. And so you have to find the right person for that role. And in our experience, we were it's just not... It was just not interesting for us or for our employees. You know what? The guy who used to produce my podcast, Jeremy Weiss, he turned, uh, he left and he created this service where he does outsource podcast creation. So businesses that want to have a podcast that interviews their customers use him. It's called uh, Rise 25. Businesses that want to do podcast interviews with the types of customers they're going for turn to him. That's a pretty good business. I've I've been seeing his business grow a lot. So let me end it with saying this. If you like this approach, if you want to turn your, your, if you want to create a business that turns a service into like a productized service, the way that Jose has, you're going to need a website. And if you're going to get a website, I highly recommend you go to HostGator. And the reason I do is because they have great service, inexpensive price that just works and lets you focus on your company. Go to HostGator.com slash Mixergy and they'll lower their already low price for you. 
and they'll tag you as a Mixergy customer. So of course, they and I will take great care of you. So hostgator.com slash Mixergy. All right. You know what I was kind of mentioning, Jose, that you were um, kind of getting pushed into the sales role, right? Your team was. And that makes sense. What I'm assuming what was happening was people were coming for customer support in the chat and your role was to, or your customers were expecting you to close their customers and get people who are chatting with you and your team to buy. Am I right about all that? That we do. That is that is more retention and upselling. You still do that. That we definitely okay. do, and that is part of our customer. That we that we that falls under customer experience. The role that okay. we don't do is more like the the traditional SDR and cold calling, you know, functions. Um, but upselling retention is part of is actually very important for our clients, and that is something that we definitely thrive on. And we've built a lot of processes to help. Um, keep those customers because particularly when you like have people on live chat and text messages, that's when you like are able to close them and keep them coming. So um, we definitely still do that. Mm. So how is it that you were getting pulled in the direction of doing more sales and more SDR work? I, I guess think clients that were some, of, for some of our initial clients um, or some of our initial prospects through our network needed SDR help. And we, we thought that it was going to be similar to customer support, but in reality, it's not. And so that's what we, that's when we decided not to pursue that, that avenue. Why isn't that an easier role than it seemed to me? I approached it thinking you can use built with to find out who's using software that's compatible with your customers, send out messages to them. I'm assuming since you've got a lot of e-commerce companies, they were looking for retailers. You get a list of retailers, you start firing off automated messages, you come back with follow-ups, and then when somebody's interested, you connect them with a calendar to book a sales call. Why isn't it like that? What am I missing? Yes, it was not, we were not doing this for, for e-commerce companies. We're doing this more for like software providers that were very specific in nature. And I think that the, it was not only about sending emails, it was also cold calling. And, uh, and um, that was the difficult part of it. Um, just, just ah, that they had to get on calls and exactly, try to persuade yeah. somebody to get on. And, and you're finding that that was a more challenging thing for this, for your team to do. It was exhausting them and it just was a different type of company. Exactly. And also the incentives were not aligned. So it's not as if the clients wanted to pay more for the service. Right. So it's mm. not as if we could incentivize the associates to, you know, sell and get compensated for that. So I think that that's part of the, the other reason that it was tough to, to, to become an expert in, in the SDR uh, world. What about doing lead gen? How are you doing lead gen for your business? Most of our clients come through referrals uh, to this point. And we have a, a small sales team that, that does outreach to, to e-commerce and fintech clients. Um, most of our research or leads come from, from LinkedIn and, and, and Crunchbase, to be honest. So you, so you have your own SDRs. You go to Crunchbase. What are you searching for on Crunchbase? Companies that are growing or companies that are looking for customer support uh, teams. Okay. And so, wait, when you say customers that are growing, do you, does Crunchbase tell you? Do they have a service where you can find companies that have, that have a bigger team or that have raised more money? Yes, you can, you can see when, when a company raises money. Yes, correct. So you pay for that feed and then you start sending messages to them saying, I think you could use our service. 
Is that right? Correct. But to be honest, that strategy is a very small part of our of our business. Does it work? Very minimal, to be honest. Very minimal. What about LinkedIn? Did that work? A little bit. The 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 reason why I'll tell you is because outsourcing customer support is very 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 important to to a business, and so I think that it works better when it's through a referral that already works with you and, and already trusts you. I mean, this is uh, this applies to any get business, that. Uh, to be honest. And so, but but it takes a while for that to build up, right? So. It- I get that as you develop more customers, you're getting more referrals from your customers, which then leads to more customers and more referrals. But until you got to that point, what was working for you? Crunchbase, LinkedIn, finding companies that no what networking what else? networking is what worked for me. Networking where? Uh, through our Columbia network. Okay. Just sending. How do you network through the Columbia network? Meeting the Columbia network. Meeting how'd people, you? reaching out to mentors. Mm-hmm. That's that's typically how we found uh, most of our clients. Okay, that makes sense. Um, and then you were telling me about upselling. How do you your how does your team upsell? How do they know what to upsell based on what? Can you teach me a little bit about how you work? Yes, we work with all of our clients to create a, an upselling strategy. Every client is very different, and so we try to determine what kinds of products they want us to help upsell and what makes sense for the customer at the end of the day. So we we create different workflows to make sure that we are helping all the different brands um, upsell and also retain, right? Particularly subscription businesses. Uh, we got a lot of cancellations during COVID and making sure that mm-hmm. you retain the clients and have them come back for more or check in in a couple months. Mm-hmm. Um, those were some of the strategies that we that we played around to make sure that uh, we were not being too pushy when it comes to retention and upselling, but just making sure that we are a a true trusted advisor to the clients. How do you do attribution? How does your customer know that that their customers were retained because of you? We've built an analytics tool that we can track um, for, for performance there the different strategies. Okay. And so we review, we review those metrics on a weekly basis with all of our clients. Okay. And it's your own software that you built in so that you can keep track of who's retaining. Yeah. It's a, it's our own analytics tool that we, that we built and we leverage obviously the whatever technology platform or software the clients are using as well. And, and it's like an overlay. All right. March, 2020 is when our office in San Francisco closed, which is when I became a reluctant nomad. Um, March 2020 is when you lost customers. How many customers? March 2020, we lost uh, three customers. We only had seven at the time. And wow. It was it was very scary for, for us because they were they were some of our biggest customers, and there was a lot of uncertainty around the what was going to happen with the world, and so uh, it was a very difficult time for all of us. Yes. Why did they do it? It, was it because sales were going down or were they pre- were they preparing for potential down downward spiral? Sales dropped dramatically for, for these businesses and some of them were also um, service businesses. So a lot of them, mm. their industry shut down basically. So What type of service businesses took, are we talking they about? They took the drastic decision of, of, of shutting down. Okay. What type of service businesses are we talking about? We had... Um, 
a couple of B2B uh, com- supp- supplying companies. And we also had like a sports academy. So obviously all sports activities came to a halt. Ah, and wow. So we had to shut down. Okay. And then can you tell me roughly where your revenue was at that point in comparison to where you are today? One million? Not even. Not even a million? Not even. After Not even that. close. So you've, you've grown more than 10 times in such a short period of time because then e-commerce took off and then how did you i guess you were you were networking in order to grow yes e-commerce took off and so our existing clients that stayed with us grew dramatically and through our Mm -hmm. network more and more e-commerce companies started reaching out and we started uh becoming a real expert in e-commerce that was our bread and butter and then we also had some Uh other um fintech companies reach out as well and that is how we started uh growing exponentially and and we grew remotely to your point i mean it was all remote um so it was very challenging for the first six months obviously doing all that remote training for different clients and all of that yeah are you now back in person yes we're back in person we have a hybrid uh model where we have um in in office and work from home have you had any COVID spreads within the office that had to close off the office? Luckily, we didn't have any issues. Um, the good thing is that the the DR did a really good job in terms of like COVID uh, restrictions. And uh, mm. we have a very robust protocol to make sure that uh, most of our employees got vaccinated. And, you know, in order to come to the office, you do have to show your vaccination card. Um, so mm-hmm. that is, uh, th- those are ways in which we minimize the 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 spread and also everyone has to wear masks in the office as well while they're on the phone we oh, don't no, like i said we don't yeah they're, they're doing mostly yeah mostly emails yeah <laughs> all right i usually close this out by saying where the website is so that people can go but i'm curious why is it called horatio i'm going to tell them to go to hirehoratio.com but why'd you come up with that name yeah Couple of things. Um, we wanted to create a character uh, around our, our company, and Horatio was Hamlet's only trusted friend in, uh, and so in, Sha- in Shakespeare's play. So we wanted to communicate a message of trust and partnership. And also, I lived on Horatio Street in New York, and that's why we, we, we that's where we came <laughs> up with the idea as well. All right, it's a great idea for business and great execution. Congratulations! The website is hirehoratio.com. Um, and if you do end up signing up with them, people, let me know. Um, I'm curious about how the business is. I love this idea. And I love how obviously you've grown beyond it. We didn't get to cover the the extra uh, parts of the business, but the majority of the revenue is coming from what we talked about, right? Customer support? Yes. Yeah. All right. Congratulations. And I want to thank my sponsor who made this interview happen. If you need a website, go to hostgator.com slash Mixergy. Now I've got to go back and listen to this and see, is it as echoey as it sounds in this room? I hate being a digital nomad, dude. All right, Jose, good to meet you, man. Thank you, Andrew. Have a good one.